New Year's Eve. Y'all made it. I'm impressed. New Year's Eve is a tough time to get out of bed. New Year's morning, sometimes more difficult. But man, this year has been so filled with so much. It has been crazy. For those of you I haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Joe, and I have been at Lake Hills for quite a while. Um, I'm the student director here, but I'm also Pastor Mac and Julie's son. So Lake Hills Church means a little more to me than just a Sunday morning and just a job. Lake Hills Church to me is family, and it is incredible to be with y'all in the house this morning, especially because this particular weekend is very special to me personally. A year ago, New Year's Day was the Sunday, and it was actually my first time ever to get to stand up in front of y'all and preach, which was great in and of itself, and I was very thankful and very grateful to get to do it, but I was also very distracted on that Sunday morning because what was following on Monday was a very important first date I was going to have. January the 2nd, 2023, will forever be known in my books as my last first date ever. In fact, yeah, thank you. I did it, guys. Man. On January the 2nd, I went on a date with the most incredible person God has ever created. I looked into it theologically, Jesus is eternal, therefore God didn't create Jesus, therefore I can say, Abigail Ann Womack, soon to be Richard, is the greatest person Jesus or God has ever created. In fact, she's sitting right here, Abby, go ahead and wave for everybody. Yes. And so our first date was January 2nd, then seven months and two days after that, on August the 4th, I got down on one knee and proposed actually right here on this stage. Now, a lot of you are sitting here and if you don't know our story, you're thinking, I'm sorry, you proposed after seven months? It's a little fast, it was a little quick. We knew each other for much, much longer than that. In fact, I was three years old when I was in the hospital when Abby was born. So, our history is a little bit longer than seven months. Our families know each other, we've grown up together, everything was so exciting at the beginning, it was all amazing, and we dated to make sure it was what God had, and we found out that luckily for me, it was what God had and is what God has. But it also made Christmas this year that much more exciting, I think is one word, uh, potentially complicated, definitely was more on our schedule than had been on either of our schedules for any Christmas or holidays. We were coming off the heels of Thanksgiving where we tallied up, we did not one, two, three, four, five, but six different Thanksgivings in that week. We were tired, which, so we decided to dial it back for Christmas. We only did four, whew, easy money. Um, but it was so fun to get to see her interact with my family, to get to interact with her, not only immediate, but also extended family that is now going to be my extended family. It was incredible. And the other day we were talking about it and kind of debriefing from Christmas and looking forward to New Year's. And I started to realize her family had a few more tra traditions on New Year's than my family in the sense that they do New Year's resolutions very intentionally and very deliberately, and she let me know this, and so she was gonna go work on her New Year's resolutions, I was gonna go work on mine, so I sat there and I poured and poured over it, like what do I want 2024 to be? What do I want 2024 to look like? 
We went our separate ways for a couple hours, came back, we started talking about our different resolutions. She showed me a list that was no shorter than the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> All broken down into different categories in fitness and personal and relational and faith and work. And I was like, mine looks different. Um, and then she asked me, so what are yours? And I went, well, uh, dunk a basketball. That's the least likely one that's gonna happen. Um, get married, I feel good about that one. And then like maybe open a book, I don't know. But the reason my list is so different than hers is with my personality, if I see a list like that with everything broken down and there's so much to do, I look at that and I get paralysis by analysis. I don't know where to start and so because I don't know where to start, I just don't and then nothing gets done. Her personality, though, is so different. She can look at that list and go, like she's got a list of resolutions back to like 10 years ago where she can look at, did that, did that, did that, did that, did that. God bless her for it is all I can say. That's not how my brain works. I become an ultimate procrastinator. I get so stressed out and anxious from all that there is to get done that I end up getting nothing done. I would argue and I would be not surprised if I'm not the only person in here that feels that way. If, if life just gets so crazy, life gets so hectic, there's so much to do, there's so many different places where you can start and so you just say, you know what, I'm just not going to start. Especially when it comes to your faith life or our faith life, our walk with Christ, when it comes to our walk with God, there are so many different ways, different avenues to be able to start that sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, it's just easier to just kind of coast and, and let life happen, let days and weeks and years go by without really being intentional about taking a step, without being intentional about growing in that relationship with Christ. And so today, I would offer what I think is a significant piece of advice or piece of starting point, if you will, and that's simply just start. As you look at what you want 2024 to be, as you look at what you want this next year to be or how you want to be on December 31st, 2024, a year from today, all it takes is one step, after another, after another, after another. But it takes that first step, it takes just starting. And because there are so many places to begin, because you can do so many different things, let's scale it back, let's look at the core, and let's start with just where it all needs to begin, and that's choosing Jesus. Step one, before anything else in a spiritual walk, before anything else in a maturation of faith is simply just choosing Jesus. If you wanna wonder, or if you're wondering what your life is supposed to look like, what you were created for, then I think we should go back to who created you, number one, and who modeled the most perfect life ever to have been or will be lived, and that is Jesus. Albert Einstein, who I think we can all agree is a fairly, was a fairly intellectual man, has this quote about the idea of genius as a whole. And he says this, he says, genius is making complex ideas simple. 
not making simple ideas complex. Life gets busy, life gets hectic, life gets stressful and convoluted enough to where we shouldn't be needing to complicate things to make it better. We should actually be simplifying things to make them better. And what is good and beneficial and hopefully encouraging is that life with Jesus, life with Jesus simplifies. Living your life, living my life with Jesus, for Jesus, simplifies rather than complicates. And now, before I dive into it, I wanna make sure we're on the same page about what we mean by life with Jesus. Life with Jesus is not just showing up on Sunday morning, though that's a great step. Life with Jesus is not just going to Christmas and Easter services and hoping the rest of the year turns out fine. If I had shown up to my first date with Abby on January 2nd last year and been like, oh my word, Abby, this was incredible. This has absolutely changed my life. Let's check in once in April and once in December and we'll call it good from there. (laughs) I don't think she would have said yes to that. She shouldn't have said yes to that. If I had shown up and said, you know what, Abby, this is incredible, this has changed my life. Let's schedule a coffee once a week on Sunday morning for an hour and then for the other six days, I'm gonna live my life. For the other six days, you live your life. She wouldn't have said yes to that either. For us to be in a relationship together, for us to grow our life together, it takes intentional communication, vulnerability, but more than anything, just time with each other. I had to get to know who she was. She had to get to know who I was. And now I can tell you, so much more about her than I could have told you a year ago. If you had asked me a year ago, who is Abby? I would have told you her resume. She went to UT. She is really cute. That's pretty much all I knew. (laughs) Now I can tell you about her generosity, her heart for people, the way she works harder than anyone I've ever known. And I can tell you all that. I can tell you about her character, who she is at her core, because we spent time together. And so if you wanna get to know Jesus, if you wanna do life with Jesus, that's more than just coming to church. That's more than just showing up for an hour a week. It takes time in your own personal life, in your own personal walk with God. So that's what we mean when we say life with Jesus. But the first thing is life with Jesus simplifies. When Jesus was asked by some of the religious leaders, what is the most important commandment? What is the one thing that we should do on this earth. They were trying to trick him and trap him because they didn't really think there was just one thing. They thought there was a whole bunch of things we had to do, but Jesus responds so beautifully like only he could. He said this in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. When we say life with Jesus simplifies, it helps us put into order what we're supposed to do. Love God, love people. We get stressed out about doing the right thing or is this the right job to take? Is this the right car to drive? Is this the right school to go to? There's so many things that can get crazy about life Whereas Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Love God, love people. That's it. Love God, love people. If you filter everything through that, then all of a sudden, 
you can take a deep breath. You can start to eliminate things that aren't helping you do that. You can kind of start to remove yourself from situations that are adding stress or anxiety. You can understand that it's not all about you and that is a good thing. Just love God, love people. The other thing life with Jesus does is life with Jesus separates. Life with Jesus simplifies, yes, but it also separates. There's so many things going on in the world around us. There's so many things going on that people are gonna try to convince you matters, that are gonna try to convince you to make top priority. Oh, you can't do anything until you do this. You can't do anything until you do that. But life with Jesus separates us from a lot of that. Paul writes in Philippians chapter three, verse 20, he says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Being citizens of heaven, living for Christ, living with Christ gives us an eternal perspective that the rest of the world doesn't have. It gives us a perspective of eternity that helps us realize the things that we might think matter don't really matter as much as we're told they do, or don't really matter as much as we think they do. An eternal perspective helps us prioritize what really matters and what really doesn't. My mom has a saying she likes to say, she says, perspective changes everything even when nothing changes. Perspective changes everything even when nothing changes. What Jesus isn't saying and what Paul isn't saying is that a life with Jesus is gonna strip away everything else. A life with Jesus is gonna make everything rainbows and daisies. A life with Jesus is going to fill in the blank. But what they are saying is that it helps you focus. It puts your mind and your heart on what really matters and kind of lets you put at ease the stuff that doesn't matter. It lets you separate from the other stuff and it helps you simplify your calendar, your finances, where you put your energy, where you put your time, all of that. And so that's, as we step into the year 2024, which I cannot, the fact that that's a real year is I'm still convinced we're in 2019 and everything after that's a blur. But as we step into the year 2024, let's put some things into perspective. Let's put some things into their proper priorities. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it's not a life verse because I'm still learning how to live it and I catch myself not along a lot of the time, is in the book of Zechariah. And it's Zechariah chapter four, verse 10. And for those of you that might not have read the book of Zechariah, it's a very small book in the Bible. It's a minor prophet, don't blame you. But it's such a cool book because it's at a time when God's people, the Israelites, were getting brought back into the promised land after having been exiled by the Babylonians. And so they're coming back into the land that God promised them and starting again or starting over living out what God has for them. And when they get back into the promised land, they realize that the temple they had built has been torn down, torn to pieces. And this temple that they built wasn't just a building to them, it was where God dwelled. It was where God was among the people. 
and they get back and they realize that it's been torn down. And so there's a lot of work to be done, a lot of things that have to get done to rebuild this temple or to get them to start over. And they start to get overwhelmed, they start to get stressed, but the Spirit of God comes to Zechariah, one of the prophets, and in chapter four, verse 10 says this. It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Zerubbabel might be a name you haven't heard in a long time. But Zerubbabel was the one who was put in charge of this project. Zerubbabel was the one that was, God had put in charge of rebuilding where God was going to live with his people. And the spirit comes to Zechariah and says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. To just take a step. Whatever that may look like for you, whatever that looked like for Zechariah, because a plumb line that it says was used in relation to the foundation. A plumb line was used to make sure that the structure they were building was in line with the foundation that was set. And so if we start our foundation as Jesus, then the plumb line in your life can look any number of ways. It can look like accountability from other people. It can look like the community you have at church. It can look however it is you kind of take a heart check in your own life. You know, Abby and I, we love, ever since we started dating, we've loved going to dinner with couples who have been married for longer than 30 seconds. Because we figure if you've been married for longer than 30 seconds, you've probably made it through a disagreement or two. And we've gone to couples, we've gone to dinner with couples who are at any different life stage, if they have kids out of the house already, if their kids are in high school, middle school, elementary, or even if they don't have kids yet. And we always ask them the same question. We always ask, what's the secret? What's the secret? How have you been married this long? And my personal favorite advice we've got was from a couple who's in our church. They've got a junior in high school who's in our high school ministry. They've got an eighth grade girl who is in our middle school ministry. And we went to dinner with them and we were laughing. It was incredible. They're some of the funniest people I know. But then we get to the point in dinner where we ask them, okay, what's the secret? And immediately his face goes from laughing and joyful to a little more reflective, to a little more introspective, and her face immediately looks at him. Probably a little scared about what he's gonna say, but mostly interested. And he looks at us and he goes, you know guys, we thought about this a couple years ago and we realized we can trace every struggle in our marriage to a season where we weren't in the church. We can trace every single significant argument or disagreement or whatever it is, struggle in our marriage to a season when we weren't faithfully going to church. And he said, also, we can trace every season when we weren't going to church to a struggle in our marriage. And I just find that so strong and so powerful because the value of community, the value of getting around a group of people that can encourage you, that can fill you up, that can exhort you and call you out it is so strong. And so is church the only thing that you should do? No. But is church incredibly valuable and is church a great plumb line to kind of make sure the structure of your life is being built right? Absolutely. 
A year ago, I joined a group of guys that meet every Friday from 7.30 to 8.30. And these guys are between probably 35 and 40. I'm significantly younger than all of them. <laughs> but my favorite hour of the week is with these guys. Because it's these guys that know what's going on in my life. It's these guys that help fill me up by diving into the word together and studying the word together. It's these guys that call me out when I'm misreading something, that hold me accountable when I'm handling something wrong. And so wherever you are, whatever your plumb line is, it can look any of number of ways, but I would lay these out to you as potential possibilities. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, Joe, I've already accepted Christ. I've been walking, but my walk with Christ is my walk with Christ. I don't really need people for it. Yes, you do. It, yes, I, I say that as lovingly as I can, but your relationship with God is absolutely personal, but we were designed and built to live it out in community. If you're sitting there and you're like, you know what, I, I go to church. I go to church and I read my Bible every day, uh, but I don't know what's next. Well, have you joined a group? Are you intentionally around other people that know what's going on in your life? Or are you serving? Are you figuring out what it is that God's trying to call out of you, what it is that God's trying to bring out of you to show you about yourself? The best thing I ever did for my self-discovery, whatever you wanna call it, is I was serving. In high school, when I found my voice, when I was curious about who I was, who God created me to be, I started serving in our kids' ministry, and that's how I found my voice, that's how I found my spiritual gifts, that's how I found who God wanted me to be. So are you in a group, or are you serving? I've also noticed in my own life that God's faithfulness and God's generosity is so exponentially great when, when I myself am faithful and generous and I'm intentional about giving. And so joining a group, serving, giving through tithes and offerings, those are just a few of the ways that I would challenge you as you start your new year tomorrow to kind of look at and take inventory of your life and of yourself and ask yourself, what step is it that I need to take? Well, what step is it that can help me simplify my life and separate from the things that I don't need to be a part of while I'm joining the things I do need to be a part of? The third thing that life with Jesus does is far and away the most important. You can make an argument that, yeah, you can simplify some things by yourself. You can trim the fat of your calendar. Yes, you can separate and start to figure out what matters and what doesn't by yourself. We can have that argument, and you might be able to get it right about 70, 80% of the time, maybe. But this third thing, this third thing that life with Jesus does, not one of us can do on our own. This third thing that life with Jesus does, we need done for us, and that is life with Jesus saves. Life with Jesus saves, first and foremost. When I was in college, I remember getting my first ever hard copy Bible. That was mine and only mine. I, I remember being at the church I was at in college and taking it home and being like, okay God, what verse should I highlight first? What verse should be the first one that I look back in 20 years and think, man, that was the one that I highlighted first. 
I was like, God, I don't want like an Instagram bio verse. I, I, Jeremiah 29, 11 is great. Philippians 4, 13 is great, but I'm not a sorority girl that needs an Instagram bio. Like, what verse do you want me to highlight first? And as I prayed about it and as I thought about it, I just kept hearing John 3, 16. John 3, 16. I was like, no, God, I know that verse. Like that, everyone knows. That's the Tim Tebow verse. Everyone knows that verse. That doesn't need to be the one I highlight first. And God just kept saying, John 3, 16, John 3, 16. And I was like, you know what, God? All right, I'll go read it. I'll go read it, and then you will also see how simple it is and that it doesn't need to be what I highlight first. And so I went to read it, and I had heard it a thousand times, a hundred thousand times. And I know a lot of you have too. But I'm gonna challenge you that this time, try to hear it as if it's the first time you're hearing it. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I remember the first time I read it, I thought, God, I know that verse. I know what it is. I know what it means. That doesn't need to be the one I highlight first. And I remember just feeling God being like, Joe, if you're too good for that verse, throw the rest away. If that verse doesn't knock you on your heels every single time, then none of it else, nothing else matters. Because that verse is the clearest articulation of how much God loves me and how much God loves you. Because what that verse does is it made me come to terms with my own brokenness. It made me come to terms that I was not a good person. I was not good enough. I could simplify and separate some things by myself, absolutely. But I needed God's goodness and God's mercy to be saved. And so if you're sitting in here and you're wondering what your next step is, but you haven't taken that first step, then serving, groups, community, all of that is great. But all of it is great because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. That's what simplifies, separates, and most importantly, saves. And so if you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know what, Joe, I haven't taken that step, I haven't accepted what God did for me through Jesus on the cross. But you know what? I don't wanna get to 2024 without it. I don't wanna live in 2024 without living with Jesus. We're gonna give you that opportunity right now. So with every head bowed and every head closed, if that's you, you can just say this prayer silently. Just say, you know what, God? I can't do it on my own. I've tried for so many years and I just can't. I need you. God, I need what you did through Jesus on the cross. I need your forgiveness of everything that I've messed up. And God, I wanna walk into 2024 following you. I want to walk into 2024 with you as my savior and as my Lord. 
And if that's you and you just prayed that prayer for the first time with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just gonna ask that you boldly claim this moment as yours by just lifting your hand right where you are. Just silently between you and God, but boldly and unmistakably. And we've got a tradition we do here where as you put your hands down, we put our hands together and say, welcome home. Welcome, welcome home.